Well, the first thing that comes to mind in, in considering some of the ways in which you have each been reflecting on sila in your day and in your life is just to um, reiterate the importance of intention. So, um, the clear intention to do something is one of the ways in which uh, the results are determined. So when we have a clear intention to do something which is kind, it has a certain result. And when we have an intention to do something which is unkind, it has another intention. So earlier when I was talking about unconscious patterns, it doesn't, they're still harmful. They're absolutely still harmful. But it is a tricky thing because we're not actually clearly intending them terms of, you know, I, I can't tell you how it figures in terms of its consequences, but I know that an unconscious intention is a little bit different than a conscious intention in terms of the results that it has. So when we open up the field of our behavior, our patterns, or our actions, and the intentions behind them, it's complicated because we've got a mixture of intentions that we're aware of and intentions that we're not aware of. And then it's also complicated because many of us have within our own stream um, experiences that trigger strong responses, but they're actually not so much related to the present circumstances. They are related to situations that happened in the past. And I certainly, I certainly know this experience and so you know for me when that sense of it's taking you know two three four five six seven years to recover from something happening you know for me I, I tried every magic wand in the book that I could to, to figure out to make this shift or release or to let go or to have a perspective around it and it just wouldn't and this was like seven years you know seven years and I thought well alright so I'll stop focusing on the out there thing and the situation changed and I started focusing on the in here thing and I realized that the real problem was not the out there thing the real problem was is that something really much much bigger and much 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 more painful had happened quite a bit before and it was had enough resonance with the before one that it was confusing. So I wasn't able to let go of the recent one because there was a lot of woundedness about the earlier one. 
And so this whole sense of time, you know, this sense of, you know, we're working with present circumstances, but the present circumstances often have a resonance about something that happened in the past. And so what's present is not only the present situation in our, in our feelings and thoughts and memories and relationships with the present people and circumstance, but also the stuff that happened in the past that hasn't yet released or resolved or completed yet. And that takes a certain amount of resourcefulness to be able to work like that, where you're working seeing how the present circumstances is triggering a situation or emotional response which is related to something that actually is quite a bit earlier. And yet, just because it takes a certain amount of resourcefulness doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a good thing to cultivate or to develop. And for myself, I found there was a lot of triggering that was happening for me in the present that was actually related to things in the past. And so developing a certain level of resource or skill and differentiating between that or figuring out what that was has also been part of my own specifics. Then, but like the kind of thing that's alive in the moment or the way that I struggle in the moment is alive and real and it doesn't have this kind of vast perspective in it. But we can change lenses you know, we can change lenses on cameras and we can change lenses internally. And it's helpful to do that. It's helpful to keep the vision of something that has happened over decades and also the, the specific challenges or places where one's getting a little bit um, out of balance that's happening in the present moment. And so one of the One of the ways in which it's useful to change those lenses and change those focuses is to keep a sense of vision and focus in mind. So the vision is a, is a broad uh, movement in a way towards less suffering, towards more responsibility, towards greater capacity to be present with what's arising and respond skillfully. Less harmful tendencies of self-blame. Okay. And, and the focus is to work, us on, work on the specific things which are maybe a little bit a canny, can of worm kind of material that is arising that one can find some resources to deal with. When I was talking about the importance of generosity, one of the reasons why it continues to be a really important foundation to develop, to to brighten, to cultivate, and to continually to reflect on is because it gives a container for the broad focus that has the sense of one's own goodness as basis. You know? And that holds the whole exploration. For many of us who have been through journeys where... um, As very young people, as very young children, there were certain kinds of patternings that were happening in our families. That deep sense of everything is my fault or I'm responsible for everything is a, is a deeply ingrained pattern that we then have to work with in our adulthood 
And so what's true for an adult is not um, the same for children. So like one of the fundamental truths that's true for an adult is, is that nobody under any circumstances is actually responsible for what I feel. You know, and as an adult, that's a true statement. People are responsible for their actions and they are responsible for their intentions, but nobody is responsible for what I feel. I have to take responsibility for that. But that true statement that for an adult is actually not something that applies for a child. You know, it just doesn't work for a child. And so we carry the things that happened as we were children into our adulthood and there's patterns of being a victim in our childhood of not absolutely not having our boundaries respected, our needs taken care of, any sense of honesty or safety. And that very much colors our experiences and how we interpret whatever it is that we're experiencing as adults. But as adults, the buck stops here. You know, we have to take responsibility for resolving and sorting whatever it is that we bring forward from stuff that happened then. And, you know, find whatever resources that we need in order to release patterns that aren't helpful. And so this um, telescopic, kaleidoscopic time framework has an interesting effect on bringing material up to reflect on and also recognizing that there needs to be different kinds of resources that are brought to different kinds of mind states that are arising. So some mind states are very much within one's own resources to watch arise, uh, to attend to the reaction, and to find ways of letting go of what is unskillful and move towards what's skillful. And that very much is what meditation is meant to be supporting. And that's very much why we talk about generosity and we talk about sila and we use these things as frameworks and containers in order to help support being able to work with what's arising. But there's other kinds of ways in which this telescopic time framework emerges where the patterning of the really strong, where we don't actually have the mindfulness to be able to watch it arise and not actually get caught in the same old patterning. And so then it's actually helpful to recognize that, well, what's needed is somebody who can hold the reflective lens of mindfulness so that the same old patterns are not actually being reenacted of self-blame or being a victim or feeling responsible for everything or um, or then blaming outside because they're just flip sides of the same thing really you know and these patterns are there for reasons they're not there for no reasons and it's really important that as this stuff emerges or in the various different cycles of these things emerges because my own personal experience is that they're like layers of onions and it takes really quite quite a journey to get through the layers of the onions and so that the, the onion is actually at the center, you know. One needs to, where I've needed, one needs to move into different ways of reacting or working with the material as it's arising. And so part of my own skill level has been when is it suitable to use meditation to work with this and when do I need other things 
and developing a toolkit of other things, you know, other ways of framing it or holding it or getting support systems in order to interact with these kinds of things. So, you know, there are plenty of people who say that meditation is a panacea and if you meditate long enough you'll be able to sort out everything that you need to sort out. And my experience is just that it's not the case and that there are things for which our um, patterning is such that we bring them into our meditation and our meditation doesn't illuminate them. And uh, so for me, my bottom line is, is, is that I'm interested in awakening and I'm interested in ending suffering and I'm interested in doing that no matter what the cost and no matter what the consequence and no matter what kind of resources I need to bring in. And so I've needed to find other resources outside of the Buddhist meditation sphere in order to help me find the ground to deal with some of the stuff that I didn't have the capacity to deal with within meditation because the patterning was too strong. It would just loop and I wouldn't see it. So the wide-angle length is to keep the sense of, yes, my goodness, you know, over decades, what a huge shift you know, there's so much less suffering. There's so much more skill. There's so much more capacity. There's so much more grace. There's so much more generosity and kindness. You know, the wide-angle lens holds that framework of there's been tremendous shift. And the telescopic lens looks into the specific cans of worms that are present on the table at the moment and saying, well, I'm managing this one all right, and this one need a bit more support with. This one, maybe we'll just take some time. It'll sort itself out, you know. And so it's not in order to dismiss or deny the broad angle, but it's actually to look at, well, what's on the table, you know, and what kind of wormies are they, you know. Some of the wormies just sort themselves out and they go back into the earth on their own, and some of them don't, you know. They need a little bit of... of, uh, looking into, examining. So one of the mirrors or frameworks or ways of supporting this ongoing inquiry is to is to see um, the, that Right, quite rich balance between taking care of one's own needs but doing it in a way where it's not at another person's expense. And for many of us, this is not a simple topic because our patternings around these things are just very complicated. And, uh, and yet, you know, it's worthwhile. So it's also really important not to give oneself a hard time. So, you know, there's days when one, one's internal assessments are accurate and clear and the results are very good. And then there's other times when the internal assessment is maybe a little bit foggy and the results are not so good. And that also comes with the natural fluctuations of a human being in time. And so it's important when one's one internal assessment is not so good that one just says, well, this is the cause and effect. End of story. 
Questions or things that come up for you listening to what I say? I was not here last night to talk about the generosity. And what I realized yesterday, or what I had been doing, but I didn't really put words to it, was that I had been noticing you know, hidden uh, acts of generosity. The difference in that and sort of premeditated acts of generosity and the difference in how it affected me. And I've been doing that for quite a while now, but I I didn't really verbalize it until Mm -hmm. yesterday. So that, I thought it was kind of neat way to look at it because Mm -hmm. If I return a grocery card or some other, or help someone cross the street or something that is totally anonymous, that's the word I want. Uh, if it's totally anonymous, it's a completely different experience than if it's, um, well, definitely, I don't do generous things for show. That just isn't done. Mm-hmm. That's what I was taught. For one thing, you don't do generous things to feel good. That I was taught. So it took me many years to say, oh, hey, what do you mean? You can't do good things and feel good. So what's the point of doing good things if you can't feel good? I don't know, but that's what I got. Mm -hmm. So anyway... There isn't any conclusions there or anything. That's it. <laughs> so, that was mm-hmm. Yes, conditioning has a strong effect. I hate to say how old I was before I figured that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing good things, but. I was making sure that, you know, I didn't feel good about it. And if I could do it anonymously, it was a lot better. So, yeah. I've shared that in Donna Talks. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd think that I've shared it enough, but I felt like I just had to share that again. Mm-hmm. So I haven't come around the circle with it. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
question, but it's this idea that there might be habits or patterns that are just so strong that not even meditation you know, might, might be enough to counter them. And that seems to ring very true with me. It'd be nice if meditation would help with everything, but it's possible for mm-hmm. from experience maybe you say. Take that as evidence that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think for myself, I, I guess that what it evokes in me is a kind of, I guess, sort of fear almost. Like maybe I'm not seeing the pattern, you know. And, and I know, like, I have some patterns that have been habituated in me from the way I interacted with my brothers growing up and with my parents. And post, my parents both passed away about six years ago. And that brought a lot of things into focus and mm-hmm. took a lot of things out of focus. And yeah, so I don't know, I get the feeling that there might be those there. I'm just not seeing them. So there's a kind of fear that I might be throwing myself into a practice thinking that it's going to eliminate it, but maybe I'm reinforcing them without knowing. It's <laughs> a weird kind of. There was something we talked about yesterday about, I forget the specific context, but or the specific words, but it was something about practicing to avoid crashing. You know, something like this, trying to generate more generosity or, or more goodness so we crash very hard or something. Crash. I don't, yeah, like, I, I think having a, I don't exactly remember that that came out of what we were talking about. I think maybe um, thinking that everything's going fine and then everything breaks apart, you know, all the time. Thinking that was like a crash moment. Anyway, seems like those could be good in some sense. Then everything comes, everything is eliminated in those instances. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I guess that's just what came to mind when you said that, not knowing exactly what to say about it. I mean, I can't, I can't speak to that really with much clarity or more illumination other than, you know, what we can know is what we can know, you know? And there are times when, you know, we think everything is fine and then all of a sudden we're we're in kind of a pit and we don't know exactly quite how we got there. And that is certainly a common experience I've experienced many, many times until my own internal reflective skills were able to track it more so that I could watch the patternings as they were emerging. But to develop that was quite a lot of introspection and support to get there. Yeah. So I don't think we need to worry about what we can't know, but I think what we need to do is to develop an increasing sensitivity for... Um, the footsteps of the yeti you know traces of suffering that are apparent without actually seeing the original cause for why they're getting there because you can trace the footsteps back you can't necessarily find the yeti but if you see footsteps you know that there's something causing them right and then it takes a little bit of discernment to figure out what's causing them if you can't actually see the original cause yeah so we don't need to have a, like a non-specific anxiety that there's this deep, dark, underground unconscious that's going to loom out and get us, you know. But I think I don't, I don't think that's helpful. But I think what is helpful is an increasing sensitivity to what are the effects of acting from patterns, you know. Because, like you know, one of the things that I could see like happening in a monastery situation is you would have a leader. A leader has a lot of power in a dynamic of a group. And sometimes he would have a kind of pain body takeover, you know? So he was not acting from a place of authority. He was take, acting from a place of tantrum, you know? 
And when a leader is acting from a place of tantrum and their pain body is actually infecting everybody around there, the whole thing goes... (laughs) You know, and communication mechanisms and ways of talking and processing things and intelligence, it just gets flushed down the toilet, you know? It's like the whole thing is on retard. And, you know, and so... If one has some capacity to be watching, well, everybody around me is acting really bizarre, and I don't have a clue why, you know, then rather than just presuming that it's all their fault, you know, it's because they're all being really weird today, you know, then it's helpful to have mechanisms that say, signal, 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 we need to have ways of communicating and checking in with what's actually happening because the normal communications patterns have just gotten completely dismantled. So, in my observation, there was no awareness of what was happening and there was no awareness of the effect of what was happening and the whole thing just went, you know. And, you know, I remember coming out of a meeting or two that was like this. You know, it was a pain body takeover from the person who was in a leadership position and three of the people in the group said, I'm out of here. It's like, this is so scary that one person has that kind of capacity to completely dismantle an entire functioning healthy group. You know, it's like, I don't want to ever do this again, you know. And so, I mean, they didn't actually leave, but it was really strong. And so, you know, we need to have some kind of register where if... Because we don't see that there's anything wrong with us. We're convinced. We're right. You know, we're convinced we're on track, that we're doing the high and the holy and the noble, and we've got the right thing going. And everyone else around us is just looking really bizarre. And so what's needed is some kind of way of, of, of connecting. Something's really weird. I don't have a clue what is, but maybe what I need to do is just pause and ask something that I trust what's going on. <laughs> And so in that way, it's like we don't need to fear. We just need to develop skillful ways of actually allowing some kind of information to flow in when the system is saying, no, I'm fine, and everyone else is completely flipped out, and I'm just going to carry on same old, same old, you know. You know. And these are people who've been practicing meditation for 40 years, you know, or 30 years, you know, or something like that. So... You know, pain body takeovers is not limited to people who are new to practice. All of us can experience that. But if you're really conscientious about not reinforcing patterns of suffering, then one needs to find something that signals when everything else is saying, I'm fine and everyone else is nuts. You know, wait a minute, question mark, hello, 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 earth to central. Come in, please. You know, something that says, wait, this perception might not be entirely accurate. And that, I think, is the best defense over... Because all of us get into places where we're blind and we're not seeing, but if we have some way where we can actually receive feedback, it's much, much, much less time-consuming and damaging than if our systems are shut down and we can't. That, I think, is what we need to develop rather than a non-specific anxiety about the fact that we're going to lose it. Because we all do. I mean, just give it up. We all lose it. <laughs> I mean, that's given. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, just some thoughts for reflection. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.